Joining me for a look at the day's markets action is Caroline Crimmon from AdviceWorks. Thank you so much for your time, Caroline. We're still seeing jitters, particularly when it comes to the JC, not so much on Wall Street. Uh, of course, we also did see a sell-off in the Asian market. So I guess in general, still quite gloomy. And I'm wondering what keeps on surprising the market or is it just nerves? So I think I think what has been happening is is if you have a look, you know, the market's very volatile. If you have a look at the volatility index, it is up. So it just really is um, an indication. People really just don't know which way to turn at this point. There's so many contradictory factors out there. Um, we had a very bad week. Um, we saw U.S. Treasury yields, the two, the thirty, the ten, just everything just shoot over that five percent level. It's a psychological level. You know, so now you're over the 5%, you know, how much higher can you go? And I think the whole of today, we were looking at the U.S. and looking at the futures and thinking, well, Republic, you might be headed for a Black Monday. And, and then things turned around, the yields came down again. And so, so far, um, things are relatively calm. Um, we've got a big week ahead of us. Lots of data releases, lots of, um, you know, earnings reports coming through. And, of course, the Fed, you know, still concerns about that. I think the market's still not entirely absorbing the fact that you're going to have, despite the fact that you've got a better U.S. economy and declining inflation, you're going to have higher interest rates for longer. And, and this just really does create potential for, yeah. for, for other hiccups ah. going forward. We were talking about Sassol still saying that in terms of pricing, their chemicals business still under pressure. But, I mean... Uh, Besides the, the, the headwinds that are still presented by, uh, you know, state-owned organizations like Transnet on its operations, it does seem that uh, operationally there, there was an improvement. I mean, this, has, this is something that has really um, left a, a bad taste in investors' mouths uh, over the last few uh, production updates. And you actually did even see the, the, the share price up 2% today, even though we did see a slip in the oil price. Does it mean that the markets did like yeah. this this? Trading uh, update uh, today. I, I don't know if they liked it or if they just relieved, like me, to okay. to it, and you know, just to find Cecil not blaming some type of weird event. You yeah. know, there, there's always some type of you know existential event that caused them to do really not as well as we expected. So they did, they did okay. Um, and then there's no blame throwing. Um, you know, one really can't say that, you know, they're throwing blame at Transnet. That is a real issue. ESCOM is a real issue. You know, the chemicals business decline, you know, they're, they're not to blame for the for low basket prices. They are, you know, they're not to blame about the fact that their customers don't necessarily need as, as much um, product as, as they used to because of ESCOM load shedding. Mm. So I think, I think it was just more of a psychological <laughs> Yeah. Um, pat on the back to 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 Cecil. Stop the blame game. There are issues. Uh. It was okay. Ah. It was okay. Well, not, <laughs> not brilliant, but okay. <laughs> ah, all right, all right. Well, let's go to some very interesting news. Mm. Uh, we did have the European uh, Commission clearing the way for far, a partnership between Richemont mm. and Farfetch, where Farfetch is buying a stake in a uh, Net Porter from uh, Richemont. Um, yeah, just unpack that deal for us. Mm. So, um, so Farfetch is buying Uxnet a Porter. Farfetch um, online online luxury goods platform um, 
you know, it, it's had an abysmal um, performance over the last year and especially over the last few months. You know, share prices declined about 60% in the last few months. Um, it's really, you know, it is a company that, that requires a couple of things to, to fire. It, it requires that Chinese market to be there. As we all know, the Chinese economy is slowing and it requires relatively good global economic growth. And, you know, despite what we're seeing in the U.S., it's really not looking like that everywhere, especially not in Europe. Hmm. So I think the deal, from in, in my opinion, you know, is not that attractive if you're a Richmond, Richmond shareholder. Now, some people might disagree with me, but you've got a company that, you know, really, I don't even think it's got a, you know, it's, it's, it's a share for, for, for a stake in the company deal. So Richmond is unfortunately, in my opinion, going to get profit shares. They may be very undervalued. Now we'll have to see the terms of that deal fleshed out a little bit more. Apparently there is some type of bargaining still, still going on in the background, but you, you know, for Richmond shareholders to get a company, you know, you granted it's got a very, very good global footprint. Mm. Um, but if you actually have a look at the, the, the sales, you know, the, the amount, the, the size of each transaction that goes through on the platform, it's not large. You know, f- this is far more advantageous to Farfetch than it is to Richmond, you know, because, you know, Farfetch benefits from the fact that Richmond's higher, higher end, higher priced luxury goods on its platform. But it doesn't necessarily draw, you know, some of the other luxury goods brands mm. on there because they have a way to market just selling it themselves. They have no need really to go to a third party. So uh, for Richmond, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not wild about the deal, but, but I think for Farfetch, you, you, if it's something they really did require, you know, to, to stay solvent, and, you know, maybe uh. not that dire, but, but, but it's close. Uh, all right. Well, let's get to your stock pick for today, Caroline. What will it be? Well, I'm going to pick an exchange-traded fund. It is the iShares Quality Factor Fund. Um, the reason I'm picking that now is that we may very well have um, in, the, in the next few weeks a lot of market volatility, possibly even a little bit of a correction. Um, it is an opportunity then to actually start to add something for the bottom draw, something that doesn't really hold for the next 20, 30 years. This exchange-traded fund looks at the S&P 500, but it does a quality filter. Those quality filters take out companies that don't have a good return on equity, that have got a lot of earnings variability, and very, very important in the current environment where we've got higher interest rates and is really going to have a knock-on on corporate credit spreads. It filters out companies that have got high leverage. So if there is any type of market downward correction in the next year, this is a nice time to actually get something because it's got the companies who are probably going to be relatively immunized against higher for longer interest rates. Ah, all right. Well, thank you so much for your time and for your insights on what has been driving the market uh, this Monday, Caroline. That was Caroline Kremen from AdviceWorks.